I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, friends. It is July 17. It is approximately the temperature of the sun where we're recording here in Longmont. (laughs) It should be a fun one. I am already sweating. (laughs) That's because you're back, though, from the Midwest. I mean, it has to feel a little bit better to not have the humidity. I mean, yeah, that humidity, holy moly, just dripping sweat constantly. Like I got onto the plane and didn't even realize that like my shirt was soaked through. (laughs) So gross. Yeah, you lose five pounds just going outside. (laughs) (laughs) so i mean that's good but it literally is what 98 degrees right now it's so hot it's so goddamn hot i know we say that but a month ago we were like this is unusual how fair this summer is and it's only 72 degrees so i guess we knew it was gonna come eventually and i knew then that i was gonna complain when it came eventually (laughs) (laughs) the question is are we still going to be feeling it in October? That's what I'm worried, oh, that we're God. just going to have this, like, what is it called? Dog days of summer or something like that, like where it drags on and on and on. Oh, please, no. I'm going through so much deodorant right now. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, before we jump into today's episode, I did want to ask about your weekend because you did something pretty cool. I was at the Netroots Nation conference in Chicago. That's so awesome. Tell us a little bit more about it. So it's a progressive organizing conference. Some of the biggest names and brightest minds in progressive politics were there, which is really interesting. Like it was a good mix of those representing nonprofits, both 501c3 and C4s, along with like direct political campaigns, issues. It was so cool to just be in this space with all these people who really care about a lot of the same issues. Although we might have different ways about going at it. It's like you could walk into any room and being like, housing is a human right. And everybody would like... (laughs) cheers and applaud and right like all of these just fundamental beliefs that everybody held it was so cool what was your specific interest in going to the conference well my good friend michelle Miri was there We all love Michelle. That was my entree to it. I actually hadn't heard about it, which come to find out is a huge blind spot for me because it's the biggest thing. I didn't realize like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC have all been keynotes here. Oh, wow. This is like the space for progressives. And I didn't I hadn't even heard about it till this year. So it was awesome. Like I took a lot of really specific professional development in managing and organizing campaigns so I could come back with like really specific ideas and kind of balance that with like the topic areas. Like I went to a panel discussion on guaranteed basic income, which is just, oh my God, so inspiring. And hearing about how these different organizations got it going in their uh, localities is really amazing. So this conference really filled you up with these new ideas, got you really excited. Now, what are you going to do with all of that? Oh, I think I think I see where you're trying to lead me. (laughs) Yes. Well, listeners of the nonprofit reframe, against all of my better judgment, I am running for Longmont City Council. Woo! Yay! I wish we had invested in that sound machine a long time ago where (laughs) I could get the applause and all the hoorays. 
Well, congratulations. Thanks. I mean, I think we can probably hold that till November 7th when we find out if I did it or not. (laughs) Well, you know, even putting your name out there is a huge, I mean, that takes so much bravery and I'm so proud of you and you've helped so many others take that leap. And now to watch you do it yourself is just so exciting. And I'm so happy for you. And the people of Longmont would be really fucking stupid not to vote for you. (laughs) So I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Oh, thank you. I'm filled with a mix of like complete terror and real excitement. Uh, It's going to be fast and furious, though. We only have a few months till Election Day. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is July 17th. My paperwork goes in tomorrow on the 18th. I petition in August and everybody votes for me before, I guess, on or before November 7th. Yay. Well, I just hope. I hope, hope, hope that everything goes in your favor because we need you. Thank you. As a resident of Longmont, we need you. We would be so lucky to have you. It was only a matter of time. We knew this day was coming. So many people keep saying that to me, and I think it's hilarious because I did not. Nope, I did not. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I definitely did. And the timing, though, it seems fast, it seems right. And so I'm going to say congrats again and also say that this news changes stuff for this podcast. Yeah. So running a campaign takes a ton of time and energy. Running a campaign where you're also the candidate does so. And then actually sitting in office takes a ton of time, especially when it is in a full-time paid position. Our city council gets like a tiny little quote-unquote stipend. But as My friends have said, I have never half-assed anything in my life, which means it'll take me a lot of time and energy to be a good councilwoman. So because of that, unfortunately, some things are on the chopping block, including, Brittany and dear listeners, this podcast. Yes. Oh, we're going to miss it so much. I have to say, though, this has been so much fun for me. And part of that is just being able to connect with you on a weekly basis. And so I'm going to miss that. Um, We're not getting rid of that because you know you're running my fundraising. (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know. So we're going to have to make sure that we build that time in elsewhere. Yes. Well, and let's not say our goodbyes. Listeners, we've got this week's episode. We're going to do another one two weeks from now, which will really be like our wrap up. And we can say our goodbyes then. So thank you, everyone who has listened so far with us. And if you just found us, hey, there is three years (laughs) of recording. There's so much that you can go back and listen to. So if you are feeling like you're missing us, please go back into our archives and re-listen because there's plenty there. Yes, please enjoy. We'll keep that up and live for a good while. Great. All right. Well, transitioning to our topic for today, we are talking about volunteers. And specifically, I believe, volunteer burnout. Is that right? Yes. And so this topic came to us from a listener. Thank you, Deb, where she felt like she had been volunteering at an organization over the last 10 years, giving of her time and just felt kind of taken advantage of. Yeah. And was kind of venting to me about that. And I completely understood. And I felt like she was really shining a light on 
I don't know, a part of nonprofit work that sometimes when we're in it, because we are so burnout mm-hmm. and we're doing all the things and we so desperately need help, that when we get that help in the form of volunteers, we don't always recognize where we're taking advantage of them mm-hmm. and burning them out as well. Yeah. When you brought this topic up to me, it also made me think about um, some of our readings from the Patreon book group that was talking about how like, basically getting paid for organizing isn't ethical, mm-hmm. which feels like a, such a contrast because... To me, the goals of so much of our work is that they become replicable, they become scalable, they become good paying jobs for people. And yet we have this like tension between volunteerism and paid labor in movements generally. And also just in terms of organizations that are growing, like I I can't think of a single organization that hasn't used volunteers at a significant level to get to some sort of growth phase. Yeah, that was interesting when they mentioned that in the book, especially when I feel like we're we're in a time right now where we're really, I feel like trying to make amends of where we have taken people's time and not compensated them for it. Like I think about even just in the hiring process, right? There's a whole movement of that if you're going to drag people through an interview process that takes weeks long with multiple phases, you need to pay them for that time. Exactly. And that's when they're just applying for a job, let alone when they're a volunteer. And so it did kind of put a different perspective on that when it comes to, you know, activating community organizing, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think your example too, like just brings up this constant tension too about like volunteer appreciation in both like big organized ways, but also just in the ways that we go about our work. Are we really acknowledging how we get shit done with volunteers? Right. Now I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to make a bit of an admission. I don't like working with volunteers. <laughs> like at all. What? Like at all. No. I mean, sure. I know. It's horrible. It's like being a vegetarian saying that I don't like mushrooms or I don't like olives or something like that. I know I should. I know having been in this work in this sector for so long, I should. But I find it difficult working with volunteers where when you're not paying them, right, you only have so much control over what they do, when they do it, if they're on time, if they're not. And that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate volunteers. That I absolutely do. I appreciate volunteers like crazy. I just don't like to be the one in charge of them. (laughs) (laughs) I love the episodes that end up being true confessions. (laughs) This is a true confession. It's the worst. It's like herding cats. You always, again, so we're going to go both sides to this, right? So don't like completely hate me just yet. But we always have to be in a constant state of gratitude to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's always like, thank you so much, even though you showed up two hours late and I sent you five emails telling you what to do, but you still showed up saying you have no idea what you're going to do and, you know, all those kinds of things, right? Yeah. So I'm just getting that out of the way. Right. So then we can talk about the other side of that, which is when the volunteer does show up, shows up like in force, going above and beyond. And we don't take the time to 
fully thank them and appreciate them. And then we just ask them to, we we hold them to that new standard. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're like, oh, wow, you actually showed up and like were prepared and you knew what you're doing. And, and now I'm going to make you be the point person to do that every week. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I think about my most recent experience as a volunteer like on the other end of that yeah. relationship with a, a group where we were all volunteers putting on this event. And I mean, there were definitely some time and energy imbalances, which get really frustrating, right? Especially as you're getting to the the pinnacle of whatever you're trying to do. So as we're getting closer to our event day and Sally Sue said she would do something and doesn't. Right. And then that falls on me as the overcompensating, overachieving volunteer. And then I just get more resentful. And it's also not sustainable. And that was a big point of conversation. Like I I was very upfront. I can do this this year. And next year I had commitments that would be at the same time as the event. And so I can't again. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this differently? How are you going to bring somebody else in or five other people in more likely who can do all the things that I did this year? And there really isn't a plan around that. And that's when it also feels bad to me as a volunteer to be like, oh, I did all this work. The product was great. And there's a good chance that none of it can happen again. So funny you should say that because that's exactly what my friend was talking to me about Mm -hmm. who suggested this topic. And there's kind of two parts to it that I want to talk about. One is what you just brought up of that she put a lot of work in to get something off the ground Mm -hmm. and it was really successful. And the organization is not prioritizing finding a way to make sure that it lives on beyond her. And so just like you said, she's looking at like the next year and she we talked a lot about boundaries and how she was trying to get better at creating her own boundaries. Mm. And so she said some of the things that you did of like, look, this is not something that I can do every year. Like I said, I would help you get it off the ground. I'd help you get it going. But now like you need to take it. Yeah. But because they didn't put any plan in place for it, the next year she found herself doing having to do it again. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we seen that with like event committee chairs? Oh, a hundred. Yeah. They're like seven years into it. They are burnt to a crisp, but like still holding the fucking garland because nobody else will. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the other part of it that she brought up that I thought was fascinating is when we ask volunteers, it's one thing, right? Like, hey, can you bake 12 dozen cupcakes Mm -hmm. for us? Right? Yeah. And it's one thing for the volunteer to be like, sure, I can do that. It's another thing when that volunteer owns a bakery. Right, right. Right? So when we ask volunteers to volunteer their skills, Mm -hmm. and that's what they get paid for. Right. Well, and it's tricky too, because there are some people who really want to do that. Sure. And other, like, there, there's always, like, a boundary that needs to be held. And some people are receiving of that boundary and some people aren't. Again, I'm going to go back into a volunteer role. We do work with one pro bono client a year. And so I'd reached out to this organization and offered and said, like, we would like you to be our pro bono client. We've seen some of this stuff happening. We think we can help. And so I had this wonderful planning call with the prospective client. And at the end, she's like, well, this sounds amazing, but we don't have much budget. So I I don't, can you kind of scale down the proposal? And I said, no, no, this is pro bono. Right. 
Like, this is us giving our services to you because we think it would really help and we love the work you're doing. She just started bawling. Aww. It was so sweet. And it, it, I think it was probably because, like, I had made that decision that we wanted to do that. I get requests all the time for pro bono stuff. And I have the same reaction of, like, no, this is what I do for a living. No, I, I'm not doing this for free for you. This is literally how I feed myself. Right. Exactly. Well, have you ever had a board member? So, you know, when you're going to recruit, like in an ideal world, you're going to recruit a new board member and you look at the data that you've collected from your current board and you look at the skills that they currently hold. And then you try to see where there's any gaps and you're like, oh, we need to go and recruit someone that has X experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say it's in HR. Sure. Right. And then you hire that person. And they're like, well, yeah, I know I work in HR every day, but that's not really what I'm interested in. Right. That's not the kind of get like the kind of help I want to give. I'm really interested in social activism. Mm-hmm. So I really want to be on your advocacy committee. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. No. Hey, no, we need HR help. <laughs> that's why we sought you out. Have you ever had that? A hundred percent. Yep. But I get it. Was there then when you put yourself in the shoe of the volunteer, right? They have other interests Mm -hmm. and other skills, transferable skills outside of what their daily job is. So I see like they're looking at the organization and being like, this is also an opportunity for me to grow. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. I was talking to some folks at this conference and they were part of this grassroots movement. And it was interesting just kind of hearing the trajectory of this group. And it sounds like they were running into a lot of this kind of stuff where like they would get this really impassioned core team and then, you know, somebody would burn out or they'd get it going again and then there'd be some sort of scandal. And it was just like they never could get to the scaling they needed to really make their mission happen. It was really kind of aspirational without that. And again, I, I just asked, well, did did you consider hiring staff? Like, was that part of the plan? And they're like, no, because we thought it was more powerful for us to be volunteers. Okay, well, when it's nobody's job, and again, living in a capitalist society, like, I don't think this is how it has to be, but it is what we have in a capitalist society where you have to make money and our time is limited and there are economic forces that especially impact certain populations, you know, single mothers, for instance, and then you create roles that aren't compensated, that is going to be one of the first things to go when real life happens, much like a podcast. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you just tied that back in. in. (laughs) Full circle. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. And man, it just gets so complicated, you know, especially I work with so many clients who have started these new nonprofits. Jesus Christ. Even though I advise against it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all working as volunteers at the beginning. Yeah. Right. And then there's always somebody, you know, they get a group of people around them that are willing to help and to kind of piecemeal the different jobs and help the organization get underway and start to move forward. But it takes a long time. Yeah. It takes a long time to get it off the ground. And people are like, 
after like six months, a year, two years, yeah, like, wait a minute, like, Kathy, I said I'd help you out because I'm your friend. But now, like, I'm two years in to doing all this work and having no money. Yeah, exactly. I have a great example. I was working with a group that had been together for years. And they started off as more of like an awareness raising group. You know, they put on educational things or events and have a panel of speakers. And then they shifted into direct advocacy of not wanting to just educate the community on the issue, but actually addressing it. And they wanted to put this ballot measure forward. The ballot measure didn't get to move forward. It's a whole nother conversation for a different day. And we can talk about power hoarding and that hurts mm-hmm. our society. Anyway, um, back to the topic at hand. So you've got this amazing committed group of volunteers and they're at this pivot point. Like, what do we do? Do we go and try to address the underlying issues that stopped us from being able to get this done? Do we shift to a different location where it might be more successful? Do we disband? Right. It was really hard for me to see them presenting their their concept to some elected officials and one of them poo-pooing it in such a condescending way. And I just kept thinking, these are volunteers yeah. who have dedicated the last many years to addressing this issue. Even if their solution isn't perfect, put some damn respect on them. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I feel like we fall short sometimes. Yeah. And it's great to have your annual volunteer appreciation event. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we get caught up in just that being the one and done yeah. kind of thank you. And I don't even think it needs to be a, and, and my friend even said this, I don't even think it needs to be a recognition of like, highlighting them in your newsletter because I think that's where we go right right like oh my gosh well how can we thank them let's get them this gift this right little tchotchke gift right that's got our logo on them <laughs> totally <laughs> that just ends up at goodwill <laughs> or let's put them in our newsletter or let's all these different things when really maybe one of the best gifts and the best way to appreciate our volunteers is to have an awareness of what we're actually asking of them. Yes. And engaging them in strategic succession planning. Yes. Like, I think it's all—it's harder to burn out when you know that there is a plan going forward that will lessen your duties, that will share those responsibilities where somebody will be taking over. Like, knowing that also helps from not overexerting and spinning your wheels. Exactly. I mean... My friend, she was giving her time over a weekend, and it was just jam-packed. I'm talking about late nights, early mornings, all day, very outward energy type of stuff so that she was just – like, it was going to take her weeks, weeks to recover from it. Yeah. And this is stuff that she would normally get paid for, right? And she probably would not even choose if she was getting paid for it to do that much at a weekend, right? Right. Exactly. And I think that this is, she said this to me too, which I thought was really interesting. She said, but I've done it for so long because I know I can't give an impactful amount of money. Right. So I consider this my my way of giving. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of volunteers do that. And I think that's great. However, at what cost? Right. When it's affecting your, your health and your mental health and your stress level and stuff, I don't know if it's really worth it. 
No, absolutely not. Your point there, though, too, about how volunteers often give in lieu of donating or in addition to giving a smaller amount than they would like to, like that goes back to the CCF principle about really honoring and recognizing time and money. This feels like such a misstep for nonprofits to not have figured this out sooner. If somebody is doing something like this, right, they're running events, they're giving hours and hours of their life. That means they care about your mission so significantly yeah, that they're willing to like put their own lives on hold for that. And yet we don't give them the acknowledgement and recognition that we would say a $5,000 donor. Right. Who probably doesn't even feel that coming out of their bank account, let's be clear. Right. Exactly. And so what does that look like? That looks like maybe looking at the schedule for the weekend and being like, this is too much for you. This is too much. Too much. How do we cut this down? Who else can we bring in to support you? What can we do to provide you better breaks or to give you longer time to sleep in in the morning or whatever that looks like, but in an acknowledgement of like, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, I mean, I I know recognition isn't always about the gifts, but thinking about how those gifts are really specific for your volunteers, especially the ones that are like really going above and beyond, you know, they're the, the worker bees who show up, do what they need to during their shift. But then there are the people who are organizing those shifts. Right. <laughs> how are you really acknowledging them? I, again, thinking about a project I work on, worked on as a volunteer, they were so sweet and intentional about asking each of us throughout the project, like some of our favorite places and things. And so at the end, they gave me a series of gift cards to all of my favorite, like my favorite coffee shop, my favorite restaurant. Mm. And it was so touching. Because it was personalized. Yeah. Yeah. You mean it It wasn't just like a leftover gift card that they had from their gala that wasn't used? Exactly. Yeah. But it, it's also about like that relationship that we're trying to develop, which we do with our donors, right? Right. We need to be doing that same thing with our volunteers. Yeah, absolutely. So here it is. PSA. To all you nonprofit staff out there, take a moment to think about who your volunteers are. There might even be somebody who is a volunteer, but they have become so a part of the everyday life of the organization that you kind of forget that they're a volunteer. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like someone who's just, yeah. So think of those people and recognize that they have no obligation to the organization outside of their own goodwill. Yeah. And so what is the reality of them maintaining that level of work for you? And what are you going to do about it if they decide tomorrow that they just don't have time for it anymore? There it is. What are you going to do about it? That's where succession planning comes in, recognition, getting to know your your volunteers. I mean, when you have an actual relationship with your volunteers, it's much easier for them to call you and say, hey, I need help or hey, something came up in my real life instead of fully blindsiding you, which happens. And I don't fault the volunteers who do that. Absolutely. And they don't want to. If they know you have a plan in place, think about how freeing that'll be for them where you're like, hey, look, I know you've been doing this for X amount of years. We are so grateful. There's no way we could ever repay you for this. We want you to know we have a plan. Yeah. So when the day comes that you decide that this doesn't work in your life anymore, don't worry about it. Let us know because we have a plan in place to take up that 
that workload and what a gift that is that you're giving them that they can walk away not feeling like shit that they just left you in the lurch, right? Can I do you one better? Do it. We don't just have a plan. We have included you in the planning process. Mm, Even better. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, folks. I would say follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're not at this point, probably not worth your time, but make sure you are subscribed so you get our last episode coming out in August and get to hear all of our fun reflections on podcasting and nonprofits and philanthropy and all of our cheerful goodbyes. Yes, August 14th, that'll be the date of our last episode. So make sure you're tuning in for at least one more. Thanks, folks. Take care. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind-the-scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.